Live and local, this is The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Oh, great good afternoon. So glad you dialed us up in whatever form or fashion that uh, is out there to attain us. And it is so great to be with you on a, boy, does it feel like summertime already. It's a scorcher this Tuesday, May 16th, the year 2023. Another coach gets fired. LSU gets another commitment from a great player within the state of Louisiana. The NBA Western Conference Finals get underway and so much more to talk about. With my main man, James Mesh, inside the Evco Development Studios. Evco Development is a civil construction company that specializes in multifamily construction. It's on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. Head west, down I-10. And you'll run into KLCJ, which is 1041 in Lake Charles. Streaming everywhere, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you're in the Acadiana area, you can catch us on your television set as we are simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's headlines. Well, now ranked number five in most of the college baseball polls. LSU's coming down the stretch as they host McNeese tonight before playing its final SEC regular season series Thursday, Friday, Saturday at Georgia. They've got everything you can think of. They just don't have the pitching other than Paul Skeens. And I think Ty Floyd's done a heck of a job. But after that, mm, mm-mm. we'll go to a former LSU baseball pitching star, our good friend Anthony Renato. What's going on in that locker? I, I still think it's all between the ears. I think they're scared to death of making a mistake. I think they're scared to death of throwing a ball instead of strikes. And I think they're aiming instead of throwing. But we'll get a former player's perspective on things as LSU hosts McNeese tonight. Meanwhile, Brian Kelly continues along the path of one Kim Mulkey, keeping the best players in the state here. He he, he committed to primetime Deion Sanders back in the day at Colorado. And then Jawan Johnson of Lafayette Christian Academy just said, you know what, Nap, I'm going to stay close to home. And he committed to LSU yesterday, part of LSU's 2024 recruiting class, which now contains 15 commitments. And I don't know how they rank them, but according to 247 Sports, they're number five in the nation. Okay, that, that's great. A quarterback, but he's going to play defensive back in college, and he is going to be really special, I believe, when it comes to the return game in special teams. He's quick as a cat, shifty, can go. 
Um, apparently he's run in anywhere from four, four to four five in the 40. So he's got a little giddy up and apparently he plays even faster in pads. So that's pretty darn good. So, um, LSU keeping on and continuing on. It's a new trend. Now it's like, they are the scapegoats. It's the players. It's not the general manager. It's not the players. It's the coach. And after a Game 7 blowout to the Boston Celtics, the Philadelphia 76ers have fired their head coach, Doc Rivers, today. They lost 112-88 to in Game 7 to the Celtics on Sunday, and here we are on Tuesday, and boom. Milwaukee needs a coach. Mike Budenholzer was fired. Um, Toronto needs a coach. There's a bunch, and maybe even more coming. We'll see. Don't be surprised if that old name, he's been serving as a um, consultant to the Pelicans. Mike D'Antoni might uh, might evolve. He's the guy that was hired by the GM of Philadelphia back when they were at Houston, Daryl Morey. He's the guy that loves James Harden. That's when James Harden flourished and thrived. So, Mike D'Antoni seems to be the odds-on favorite for that that job. So we'll see. It's game one of the Western Conference Finals tonight. And we've got the Los Angeles Lakers traveling to the Mile High City to take on the Denver Nuggets. Um, LeBron, Anthony Davis going up against Nikola Jokovic, Jokic. Uh, Jamal Murray, this should be really, really good. Um, does LeBron have it within him? They have to win a game on the road to win this thing. Um, we shall see. We shall see. We are closer and closer to the PGA Championship, which will tee off this Thursday at Oak Hill Country Club, the site of the 2023 PGA Championship. It's in Rochester, New York. John Rahm, the number one ranked player in the world, won the Masters last month. He'll be seeking his first win at the esteemed New York course. The Spaniards in search of his third major, having won the U.S. Open in 2021. We will uh, talk about this in depth tomorrow uh, with our golf analyst, Alex Myers. We'll talk about this course that's been changed and changed again. There'll be the live golfers will be out there. Um, last year, Justin Thomas won his second PGA championship, beating out Will Zalatoris in a playoff. No Tiger Woods in this one. Not going to happen. No, 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 not going to happen. Um the game time and the television station are now set for the LSU Florida State season opener. This is the best non-conference college football game of the season. And LSU announced today that the Camping World kickoff against the Seminoles on Sunday, September the 3rd, will start at 6.30 p.m. and will be broadcast to a national television audience on ABC. Um, if I look at my calendar real quick, I do believe that that is a Sunday. So, yep, September the 3rd is a Sunday, and that's when LSU will be out there seeking revenge after falling 24-23 to 
to the Seminoles at the Caesars Superdome in New Orleans a year ago. Oh, special team gaffes just were a killer, a killer. Of course, LSU ended its season at Camping World Stadium when they destroyed a decimated Wake Forest Demon Deacon team. Uh, just blew them away. So uh, 6.30, Sunday, September 3rd, make your plans. It'll be on ABC, and it'll also be here on the game, which, by the way, pretty soon will no longer be called the game. Uh, if you're involved with social media by now, you know, and if you aren't, I will tell you, Change is a coming, and change for the better is always spectacular. And that's exactly what's happening. An announcement was made yesterday that come June 26th, a little over a month from now, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, we will become affiliated with ESPN. We will be called ESPN 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. We'll have a whole new format. Uh, we'll start off in the mornings with um, Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. Followed at 9 a.m., Kevin Foot and Footnotes will remain as is. Then we'll go from 11 to 1. RP3 and company shifts over. We will move from 2 to 4, and the Jordy Hulkberg Show will now be from 1 to 3 thrilled by that thrilled it helps me in ways that are too numerous to explain and then from three to six after further review with matt moscona will join us so great news thrilling news fun news exciting news you'll still get the same great local take on local sports national sports and everything's going to be just dandy. So come June 26, changes are made, and change for the better are always the best. If you stand in pat, you're not, you know, you're falling behind. You got to change with the times, and a changing we are, and we're thrilled and excited about that. So let me tell you what we have in store for you and yours today. Again, Anthony Renato will join us. We'll talk about the woes and the bagos of LSU baseball, and it's Pitching staff, what do you do? Where do you go from here this late in the season? Is there a diamond in the rough somewhere? I don't know. Grant Hughes will join us, our NBA feature reporter. Um, and we'll talk about the firings. We'll talk about what's going to happen to John Morant. And we'll talk about game one, Western Conference Finals tonight. Game one, Eastern Conference Finals, Miami at Boston tomorrow and then of course hour number two it is a tuesday so it's the black and gold report bob rose of the saints news network lots to talk about rookie camp some some free agent signings uh, where do the saints stand now all this and much much more so we'll take our first time out of the day exciting news here there and everywhere we're so glad you're with us we'll be back with lsu baseball talk next this is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
Oh, riding roller coasters, live music, fried fair food. My goodness, you know what's back. The Cajun Heartland State Fair. And the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles is giving away family packs of ride tickets. Just text CHSF to 337-283-8100 for a chance to win a family pack of tickets. That's 80 tickets to the Cajun Heartland State Fair at the Cajun Dome, May 25th to June 4th, brought to you by the game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, welcome back. Tuesday, May 16th, we begin with LSU baseball. They're entering their final week of the regular season. They're in second place in the SEC West, a game and a half behind division leader Arkansas. They're third in the overall league standings behind Arkansas and Florida. McNeese tonight at 630. Then it's quickly over to Athens for a Thursday Friday, Saturday, regular season finale on the road against Georgia. It's been well talked about, well documented, and rightly so. Uh, LSU's pitching staff, their bullpen, it has been um, not very good of late. I wanted to go to a former LSU pitching star to try and get some insight as to what may be going on behind closed doors. Our good friend Anthony Renato, kind enough to join us uh, Anthony, thanks for the time, man. How you been, buddy? Jordy, thank you so much. I appreciate it, man. I'm always good. Life is good. Um, and it's always good when I get to come on your show, so I appreciate it. Well, I'm excited to chop it up and talk some ball. Well, let, let's talk a little ball. Um, we, you know, I saw you after the Paul Skeens um, Mississippi <laughs> State beating. Uh, we went seven innings, allowed one run, three, uh, you know, on a couple of hits, a walk, and 13 strikeouts. Um, <laughs> he, he does what he does. I thought uh, Ty Floyd was terrific. I just wish they would give Ty Floyd the ball and say, look, I know you've thrown 103 pitches, but it's hot outside. You're, you're feeling good. Let him keep going. We got to get you through seven innings. And then after yep. that, you tell me. I don't have an answer, man. I'm being honest. I I have never really seen something like this LSU bullpen right now. Um, and the way that they're just giving it up, man. I I was traveling on Sunday. I'm, I'm here in Virginia visiting my brother, so I didn't get to watch the game. But when LSU had that big lead, I think they had 13 runs, and it was 13, 13 to, to 5. Four. Yeah, 4. I remember seeing, like, I was following the box score, and I was like, oof. It was like walk, hit by pitch. It was just, like, things happening and just putting base runners on for free. And I was like, we're going to blow this game if, if they keep doing this. And then, sure enough, I just kept refreshing the score, and I was like, oh, my God, they're really doing this. So I, I don't know, man. I don't have an answer. I, I, the answer is throw strikes. And, and, you know, at this point, you'd think that, you know, the college kids, number one, you know, top five team in the country um, would have some answers. But I, I don't know. As a fan, man, this is, this is tough to watch. Do you agree with uh, my assessment of Ty Floyd? I mean, 103 pitches this late in the season – is that too much? Could we? Could he go more? I mean, what what what's the thought process there? Not at all. I think you you hit it on the head, man. I think especially with the struggles of the bullpen, and we don't have those answers yet. If a guy's doing well, he's got a hundred pitches. You know, like 
that's what a starting pitcher does. He's a big dude with a good arm, you know. Like yeah. I, I run him out there for another inning, absolutely. Especially yeah. given the, the state of the bullpen. That you know, if there's any doubt in your mind about it, it's like, okay, well, we don't have a solid choice in the bullpen right now. So let's go with the guy that's kept us in the game, that's winning, that's down, that has good stuff. I don't know. I ride the starter. I was also a starter too, so I, I never wanted yeah. to give up the ball. <laughs> never give up. Yeah, just keep pitching, man. Come on, you got yeah. four or five days rest. I'll throw it. Just put me in the ice tub, and we're we're good to go. Um, all right. You. So I believe, Anthony. You tell me. I've been around athletes and and sports my entire life, and we've touched on this before. But I, I think it's even more prevalent than I think. These kids are scared to death out there. And I think they're aiming the baseball rather than just throwing the baseball. And, and you know what I'm talking about. They're trying to, man, they're scared to death to throw a ball. And they're scared to death to walk. So I think it's all between their ears. Does that make sense? Oh, it makes it beyond make, make sense. I think any time that you give up 21 earned runs and you have a 18 ERA, you know, out of the bullpen, with, this, is the, this is the stat that gets me, 3.29 whip, which means that, on average, our bullpen is allowing three and a half runners basically an inning, which is a guaranteed run right there, basically. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, yeah. right? Like, I, I don't know. I, 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 I've never really seen anything like this, and I don't, I don't have an answer. Like, I'm, I'm flabbergasted. We have a group chat with all our, you know, 09 guys, and, and we're all uh-huh. going back and forth, and we're like, we have nobody that can go out there and just, you know, I, don't, I, I hate to say it, but, you know, have some balls and, and go out there on the line and just throw some strikes. Even if you get hit around the yard, at least we're competitive, right? We're not giving yeah. free bases and we're not hitting guys and we don't look timid. And I think you're absolutely right, man. I think some of these guys, especially the transfers, I think, you know, it's this is a different atmosphere, a different pressure. And I think, we're unfortunately, we're seeing some of the, the true colors of these guys. Okay. I don't know the solution, but I got a theory. I've got, you know, and, and again, I, I don't think I'll be appreciated till well past my time. <laughs> but here's my, here's my suggestion. Okay, we're going to put Skeens on Friday. And you know the team, and I, look, this is the end of the regular season, and things are going to change once you get into tournament play. And I understand that. I swear I would move Ty Floyd to Sunday. Or in this case against Georgia, I'd move him to Saturday. Because I promise you, he's better than any third picture that Georgia's going to throw out there. And I got Skeens, so I feel pretty good about winning game one. I got floored. I feel pretty good about winning game three. Now, if we can just muster anything, you pitch one inning, you pitch one inning, you, or if you get hot, we're going to stay with you. I just got to win two out of three. Got to win two out of three. I, I, Call me crazy. Point, you know, we, Call we me crazy. Yeah, no, we talked about it last weekend, and I, I didn't necessarily disagree with you, but I kind of threw a wrench in it and said, well, I usually like if for some reason maybe their Friday night goes out there, you know, and, and matches toe-to-toe with Skeens and they score a late run and they beat us 2-1, to one, right? If that happens, I want my next best pitcher to pitch that next Saturday game, you know, um, and I don't want a bullpen day if we have our backs against the wall. So I, I was a little hesitant last weekend, but at this point, I mean – I agree with you, I think, right? Like, if, if Skeens can get us a dub and we get a win Friday, I mean, it's it's a bonus if you win Saturday, you know, and you get an early lead. Maybe then you bring in Ty Floyd if you're up four or five, right, and let him finish out the game three or four innings or something right. like that. Um, yeah. And that's kind of what we – that was the approach that we took in 09 when we won the national championship, right? We had a three-game yeah. series against Texas. We won game one with Lewis. And I remember going up to Maneri and Gruy and saying, I want the ball game too. We're going to win it in two games, blah, blah, blah. And I thought I was, Maneri was going to give me the ball. And he came to my room later that night and he said, Ant, look, I, I, I want you to pitch. I really do. But 
if we lose this game, I want you on Sunday. I want you on the last game of the year with the ball, winner-take-all, championship game, and you have the ball. And that's what I think you're talking to about, right, is yeah. if Ty Floyd's going up against about. anybody else's number three, I like our chances in that series. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. We, we shall see. So take me – I don't know if you ever – you know, you won a national championship. So, I, I mean, but, but every season has highs and lows and pits, you know, valleys and peaks and all <laughs> that kind of stuff. What do you think is going on inside that locker room with this team that at one point in time – people thought was invincible and now man is there doubt that has crept in what do you think is going on behind those walls <laughs> this is the scary part jordy I, I i think you know before the year there were so many expectations and this is what people were nervous about i'm even more nervous right now what's going on behind closed doors because they were so good all year and now it's happening at crunch time right if this yes. was happening two games into the sec all right cool we got a whole year to figure this out we're rolling into the SEC tournament in crunch time. We can't have an unsure bullpen like this. So, to me, I'm a little nervous if I'm them. You know, I don't know. And and I'm I guess for me, my perspective is, I hope Skeens doesn't feel too much pressure to be the guy. Right, man. I got to go out right. there and throw nine now or something. And maybe then he does too much. Right. I think that's my biggest fear is the starting pitching has been pretty solid or you know passable for the whole year. Let's not let the strengths, you know, become weaknesses because we feel like we have to do too much because our bullpen or, you know, other things aren't as adequate. So I think there's a little bit of panic if I had to guess, you know, in, in the clubhouse. But I'm an optimistic guy. I'm very positive. So I, I really believe in the leadership. And that's what I've been saying from day one is even if there is some adversity throughout the year, I believe this team has some superior leadership. I trust Jay and his staff. And, um, you know, Wes Johnson is, is really one of the, the brightest pitching coaches in, in the country, like at all levels. So um, I got faith when, you know, crunch time comes, we're going to figure this thing out. You mentioned the pressure on Paul Skeens. How much pressure does this bullpen put on Dylan Cruz and Tommy White and Trey Morgan <laughs> and G Gavin Duga and Jared Jones and Braden Joe Bear and Jordan Thompson and Hayden Tri I mean, you got to score – before, 13 runs was not enough. 13. That's scary. 13 in like five innings too, right? You usually be a, like the starters should be like, Ooh, we might have a couple innings off at the end of the game with this yes. one, you know? And, and the yes. fact that they can't is yeah, that's scary. And I, I don't know. I, I have faith that the hitters, there, there's enough good hitters and talent throughout that lineup that I don't feel like too many of them feel too much pressure individually, which is nice. I think there's a lot of, you know, that, that there it's spread out amongst the lineup. Um, but, I mean, shoot, anytime you, you score 13 runs, you feel like you got a game in the bag in the fourth or fifth inning or something, you know. So, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know what's, what's going on with those guys. But, again, I, I think there's a lot of leadership. If they were younger, I'd be a little concerned. But um, I think there's a lot of leadership and veterans on that team. So, hopefully the, the offense stays strong throughout the year. Okay, just, just pull a rabbit out of the hat for me. All right. We know <laughs> we got Skeens. We know we got Floyd. Man, they've tried everybody uh west of the mississippi river for that third <laughs> position who do you go with hey give me jordy holtberg dude let's go you got it <laughs> uh no i man i like javen coleman the other day i really did i i've always okay. appreciated that kid's competitiveness i think that he has a little chip on his shoulder on the mound i think there was some uncertainty with his health and stuff but i think you know later in the year if he's feeling good give him the ball let's let's go go out there he he made it competitive for us you know um, yeah. I think obviously his length and, and durability and endurance is, is a question, you know, how far he can go into games, but if he gives us a chance in the first three, four, five innings, I like that guy. Yeah. 
or so many questions and you know and no one I don't even think the coaching staff has has the answer for this thing but I think you hit the nail on the head somebody's got to go out there and somebody's got to show that they're, they they want to compete and dad gummit if you're going to hit me hit me but I'm not going to put you on without you swinging the bat um so Dude, I'm not going to I would rather a pitcher have the whiplash of getting rocked around the field and be like I can live with that you threw strikes at least right but when you yeah. don't even know what would happen when the ball's in play cuz you're walking and hitting guys like that that's not that's not acceptable Hey, what uh, totally off subject, but what was uh, Aaron Judge doing looking in the dugout? Did you see that? No, what what happened? I missed it. Yeah, I knew he well, hit two homers. I mean, he's, but... he's looking at the picture, and all of a sudden they zoom in, and he's looking over at his dugout, and then he looks back, and next pitch, bam, gone. One of two no home way. runs, and um, and the announcers are going, "Hmm, what is that all about? Uh, Who's he looking know. at? That's and why?" Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm I'm here with my brother in Virginia for a couple of days, so I've been a little separated from the sports news. But I would I'm actually going to go you. put that on the TV. I want to find out some more about that. That's yeah, interesting. Go look, go look that up, and then you can text me and say, "What the heck is that all about?" But anyway, yeah. all right, enjoy your stay in you, the beautiful. I wonder if maybe here beautiful. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe the pitcher was tipping pitches, and they were just saying, you know, like confirmed, "Hey, look, he is doing it." So you know what I'm saying? Because sometimes guys yeah. will go up there, and the and the hitting coach will say, "Hey, look." When he rotates his glove to the left or something right before a pitch, it's a fastball, and we and he's done it, you know, for two innings now. So like he's on it, go get it. Sometimes it might be unsure, right? And they're like, hey, we think we have a tip on this guy. Like, look at us, you know. After a couple pitches, we'll let you know if we have it or not. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and think that was it, and there was nothing else going on. But you never know. <laughs> You're in Virginia. Go back and visit where you were the Cape Cod legend, legend <laughs> Anthony yep. Renato. Enjoy your stay, man, and. uh Always, always uh, really do appreciate the insight, buddy. Thank you so much. Anytime, Jordy. Always a pleasure, man. Thank you. You're the best. AR, Anthony Renato. We'll take a quick time out here. When we return, game one of the Western Conference Finals preview with Grant Hughes next. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Now the game has a brand new app. It's now your one-stop shop for all things the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana sports station. Download the free mobile app today from your Apple or Android device. Just search the game Southwest Louisiana. No matter where you are, you can listen to the game for a couple of more, you know, weeks into June before we become ESPN Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. This is the Jordy Holtberg Show, live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. We are back and thankful to have Grant Hughes, NBA feature writer for the Bleacher Report, as we're down to the final four in the NBA. Uh, the Western Conference Finals begins tonight with the Los Angeles Lakers at the Denver Nuggets. And then tomorrow night, it's the Eastern Conference Finals with the Miami Heat going up against the Boston Celtics. Grant, good afternoon. How are you, my friend? I'm doing great, Jordy. Life gets simpler and simpler the more teams that get eliminated. So I've only got four to worry about now, so I'm feeling pretty good about that. What team surprised you the most that they're still uh, standing tall and have survived to this point? Oh, man, the Heat by far. I mean, they, they yeah. lost their first playing game and, and played some of the worst offense 
I mean, really all year, but it, certainly in that first play-in game, and weren't even much good in the second one. Uh, and then to make it all the way to the conference finals is, is I mean, they upset a number one seed. They bounced Giannis. Yeah. That's, you know, I don't know how many guesses you would have needed to give me uh, to predict that, but it would have been a lot. That's a, that's an easy one for sure. Another easy one, the the matchup that you're most interested in seeing when the Lakers and the Nuggets tip it off tonight, right? It's got to be the bigs. Oh, yeah. You know, you if, in my job, you kind of you condition yourself to look for, well, what are the angles nobody's talking about or or what's the X factor or what's the, you know, let's try to be creative. It's just you can't do that here. It's just, you know, Jokic is – you know, got two MVPs. You could have given him a third this year. He's been the best player in the playoffs. And Anthony Davis is looking like the bubble version of Anthony Davis, who's just the best defensive player in the world. That if anybody's going to slow Jokic down, maybe it's him. So those are the guys, right? That's that's it. That's whatever else you want to talk about from that series. You know, there's a lot of interesting stuff, but it starts with those two. Um, and also, by the way, I guess centers are not dead. You know, we've we've gone small ball and we've shot threes, but. Uh, you got two really great centers uh, in the Western Conference Finals now. The last time these two teams met in the playoffs, uh, Los Angeles not only had Anthony Davis, but they had Dwight Howard. Um, and, oh, God, who's the other big that they had? Um, shoot. I'm trying to I think. think. It, was it wasn't JaVale McGee, was it? Did they have yes, it was JaVale McGee. Yes, it was JaVale. So they had three that they could kind of interchange on Jokic. They don't have that now. Um, who who do you give the eggs to? I mean, LeBron's LeBron's LeBron. Anthony Davis is doing yeah. great. They got shooters. I mean, this is this could be a great series. But you know how how do you defend Jokic? What do you do? Yeah, that's the problem. It is the Lakers' defense has been really good? Uh, they they made the Warriors look pretty bad. Um, they made Memphis look pretty bad. They shut the paint off. They, you know, Davis was dominant across, you know, the vast majority of those series. I just think because of Jokic, because there is no fix for him, um, it's just going to Denver's offense is just too difficult to stop. The Lakers haven't seen an offense like this. Um, you can't double Jokic because he's the best passer in the league. Probably he's probably the best post-up player. So you can't really single cover him and he'll shoot the three. So it's just, and really, the other thing is he doesn't need to shoot the ball to be the best player on the floor. So, yeah. you know, Davis is a phenomenal defender, probably the most versatile big guy defensively in the league. It's just that Jokic is kind of a one-of-one. One. There's never really been anybody offensively at that position that can do all of the things he can do. And in the playoffs, the whole game is taking is making a guy do something that he's bad at. And Jokic just isn't bad at anything on offense. So uh, that's why I'm leaning Denver. Uh, but it's just, he, I think, I hope that, uh, you know, because they're playing the Lakers, because it's the conference finals, a lot of the national audience that has not seen Jokic play uh, really gets to appreciate how good this guy is. Yeah. So skilled. So, I mean, can pass it, can handle it, shoot inside, shoot outside. He's not the most um, aesthetically beautiful player, but he is a beautiful basketball player so davis versus jokic in the west in the east my goodness gracious how good has jason tatum been of late and how consistent has jimmy butler been throughout so that's got to be the matchup to look for do they guard one another well it's i think talking about that gets you to the the kind of the core issue of the series which is that the celtics don't need to put jason tatum on jimmy butler because they've got like five other guys 
who could hold right. up, you know, about as well. Uh, whereas the, the Heat do not have that. The Heat have play a bunch of small guards. Bam Adebayo is another kind of in the Davis mold, really versatile, mobile defensive center. He'd be okay on Tatum. And then Butler, obviously, would, would be what you'd want there. The Heat just have fewer options, fewer answers, whereas the Celtics, you know, if if uh, if Jalen Brown gets stuck on Jimmy Butler, that's okay. If it's Marcus Smart, I mean, that guy was Defensive Player of the Year last year. That's okay. You know, mm-hmm. the Derek White, uh, even Al Horford can hold up as a, you know, if he gets switched. So the Celtics, that matchup is key, but the Celtics can kind of get away with uh, a little bit more in terms of in terms of their depth and their options than the Heat can. Uh, Grant Hughes with us. If you could seed this final four, um, who would be your number one seed on down? Well, I think Boston's probably most likely to advance just because I think the Heat are a little overmatched. I I don't know what I'd do between them and Denver. Uh, Denver might just be the better team. That's the finals matchup I'd pick, by the way. So let's just say Boston one, Denver two, Lakers three, Heat four. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Um, who, who who has the most as far as who's got the most at stake in these conference finals? What player and why? Yeah, that's interesting. It, it, everybody's got a ton when you get to this stage. I, you know, you could say Jokic, though, because the knock on him has been, well, we've got those two MVPs. We can't possibly give him a third because what he does doesn't hold up in the playoffs, and defensively he's limited. So he's kind of a, yeah, he's a nice regular season player, but he's not he's not that guy. But if Jokic makes the finals now, and he does it by beating LeBron James, who's you know dominated the last 20 years or so, uh, that makes that argument a little flimsier. So I'd say Jokic has maybe the most to gain, um, whereas, you know, the Celtics, they, you know, they may make some changes if they don't get to the finals, but individually i think i think jokic is kind of the guy that is in position to really you know kind of cement himself as just an all-timer right if he gets two mvps yep. and he you know maybe goes and wins a title that's that's uh there's not a lot of guys that can claim that it uh james harden get doc Rivers fired <laughs> does he want mike d'antoni to come back and coach him again yeah, can't you just see it? They're going to be the 2017 Rockets. They're just going to – that's that's what – you know, I mean, Daryl Morey's in charge of this team too, so you know he wants that. Uh, yeah. He was the executive that ran those good Harden-Houston teams. I, I would say that it's kind of like in, in – you know, we've had a bunch of coaches fired from successful teams, and Monty Williams in, right. in Phoenix, uh, Mike Budenholzer in Milwaukee. It's yeah. not always that, like, you know, Harden maybe didn't say, get rid of this guy – but they definitely said, would you like us to keep him? And he probably said no. And Or, if you know, tell us now if you want him back. And if he had said yes, then Rivers would still be the coach and Monty Williams would still be the coach if Kevin Durant and Devin Booker said, keep this guy. So it's, yeah. it's it maybe, you know, we're splitting hairs a little bit, but, but it's the kind of thing where anytime a coach gets fired and there are superstars on the team, chances are the superstars were okay with it, right? Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, golly. What of the jobs that are out there? Phoenix, Philadelphia, Milwaukee, Toronto. Um, who do you want to coach? What's the best one? Yeah, you know, the problem with Phoenix, Milwaukee, and Philly is they're going to come with 
you know, major expectations. Like you got to win a title because yeah. those teams either have won titles or have been, you know, close enough to where that's the expectation. Toronto might be a little lighter list, but I think I, if I'm picking, I just go where Giannis is. I think I Me think too. that's probably the the simplest decision. Me too. I, I agree 100. Um, percent It's a shame that that we have to talk about this, but. What is your assessment of John Morant? And to me, this is, yeah, no, no law was broken, but it's just a bad look and it's a bad, it's something I think embarrasses the NBA just two months after he met with Adam Silver. And I'm sure Silver said, dude, we can't allow this. We can't, we can't do this anymore. And he was contrite and apologetic. And now here we go again. Where, where does the league go next? So I think, I think the league for a long time, you know, go back twenty plus years, has had an image has been concerned about an image problem. Right. Uh, right. You remember they instituted a dress code, right? Uh, yeah. That you know, David Stern when he was commissioner was really trying to make the NBA appealing to the middle of the country to everybody. You know, th- they wanted mass appeal, so that meant getting rid of the image of the players being unmanageable or immature or doing stupid stuff like this. And so I would say that if David Stern were still alive and still commissioner, John Morant might get suspended for a year uh, because this is just exactly the image the league does not want. Set aside that it's just on Morant's side, it's just idiotic. It's stupid. I I don't care what the particulars are. You did a dumb thing once, got told, don't do this. You know, from a mountaintop, I've learned from this. I've improved. I, I did, and then you do the same dumb thing again. That's just if you're Adam Silver, you have to look at this and say, "All right, what's it going to take this time?" And so I don't know what the suspension is going to be, but like, if I'm Adam Silver, I'm thinking 50 games. I'm thinking at at the very least, you have to suspend him so he cannot meet the minimum required games played next year for All NBA or for MVP or for whatever else. You have to take that away. Um, I would come down really hard because this is just so you can't do the same stupid thing twice, just right in a row. That that's, that's where I'd be if I was the league on this. And doesn't it send a message to current players and future players that if they do this to a superstar like John Morant, what would they do to me? We got to send a message that, that resonates around the league to every player, every coach, every posse member, whatever you got to send a message. You, you have to. And I think, like, look, I mean, this is going to cost Morant in a lot of ways. You know, he's got a big Nike shoe deal that I cannot imagine will be mm. what it was you know, financially or, or whatever. He's not going to get that signature shoe, the second model of it. Going to lose a bunch of endorsement dollars. Will get suspended. I don't know how long. But, yeah, the, it, this is a league thing. This is, this is the NBA, right. you know, making sure everybody understands we need to present ourselves in a certain way because we're a multi-billion dollar operation that needs to appease advertisers, TV networks, fans yeah. up and down the demographic spectrum. Like we can't have this because we spent 25 plus years trying to make sure that people's impression of the NBA was exactly not this. Right. So it's, it's really just like a, a specific, specific hot button issue for the league and its image that it just has to come down hard to fix. Uh, tonight at 7 o'clock Central Time, which is 5 o'clock your time, one team might change their history forever. It's the NBA Draft Lottery. 
What, tell me your thoughts on this 19-year-old French phenom, Victor Wembayana, who's seven foot five with a with a wingspan of a condor that can dribble, can shoot from outside, can block shots, can do just about do everything. Is he a franchise changer for history forever? I guess the best way that I could frame it, because I'm not a draft expert, but I have never seen a guy talked about the way that he's talked about. Like the, so an example is there was an executive that said uh, the other day, if you told me right now that Victor Wembanyama would miss his two first his first two years due to injury, like Joel Embiid did, I would not only draft him first, I would already sign him to his second contract. You know, like five years down the road, like I would give this guy four hundred million dollars full stop. If you told me right now he wasn't going to play until his third year, just sight unseen. Wow. So he's just, we've never seen a guy like him, his size, with his skill, uh, with his, you know, there's just nothing he can't do, really. And he's, he's a teenager. So project that forward. I don't, I don't, I just don't know. The only certainty about this lottery that I have is that there's not an offer out there that could get whoever lands that first pick to trade it. Like if you said Luka Doncic and, Three first-round picks, it's like not happening. I, I just think not happening. this this guy is generational, you know, with a capital G. Wow. Uh, that's tonight. According to the odds makers, the Pistons, the Rockets, and the Spurs have the best odds of landing the number one pick, but surprises have happened before. We shall see. All right, so you got the Nuggets and the Celtics going to the finals. Yeah, I think that's right. I'd say I'd say Nuggets in seven and Celtics in six. Just hopefully we get long series like that. Ah, that would be great. That would be great. It's always great when we get to catch up with you, Grant. Thank you for your time on a very busy day uh, for you because the the NBA always provides something, uh, and it's going to provide somebody tonight a very 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 happy evening. And sit and and I promise you. They've got their ticket people lined up. They're going to open up the doors, and people are going to buy season tickets like crazy. Whoever lands this Wembayama, uh, that's going to be fascinating. Yeah, no, he's a franchise changer. He will completely change an entire franchise for years and years to come. Come on, Pelicans. You're number 14. You got to <laughs> – yeah, whatever. <laughs> Maybe he and Zion, God heaven help. Who's the kid – Chet Holgram, he hadn't played a, a minute yet, and he's a big prospect, number one pick with Oklahoma City. So you never know, right? You never know. You never know. You never know. Yeah, that's, that's what makes LeBron so amazing. Done it for 20 years, man. That That's that's phenomenal. Anyway, Grant, time is up. Thank you so much. Enjoy the uh, conference finals. Thank you. Appreciate it, Jordy. You're the best. Grant Hughes, Bleacher Report. Back to wrap up our number one next. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. And ShopRite, Tobacco Plus discount outlets. If you can't ShopRite at ShopRite, seriously, you can't ShopRite at all. My Ducks, cleaning America's air from the inside out. Eon, the premier touchless robotic laser body contouring device. It helps you lose those unwanted inches along with permanent fat reduction. Eon with three locations, Lafayette, Baton Rouge, and Mandeville. By the Louisiana Lottery. And you can't win until you start playing D.C.'s Little Capital Exxon with their true soul food deli, home of the best cheeseburger ever. By Demco, your touchstone energy provider. And by Cajun Chef. Do yourself a flavor. 
Turn up the taste with Cajun Chef Hot Sauce. Don't agree with what Jordy has to say? Not to worry. He's always open to a healthy debate. Well, Dean, I'm, I'm glad that you asked that Actually, question. Actually, I'd like to jump in and take that one, Jimmy, if you don't mind. Have at it, Hoss. Give us a call on the hotline at 337-706-0111. Now back to more of the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Right, we're back, closing out our number one. Uh, this quote from uh, former LSU Tiger, now with the New Orleans Saints, Foster Moreau, in an interview, said, I finished Tuesday, I signed Wednesday, and Thursday I was out running routes with my quarterback and my receivers and my running backs at the Saints practice facility at 7.30 in the morning. Still. One of the true feel-good stories, and we hope that he is beyond his his, um, uh, prognosis and is healthy and will be able to do what he loves to do. That will be terrific. Uh, Coming up, our number two, Bob Rose, Saints News Network. More on all the goings-ons with the New Orleans Saints as um, rookie minicamp was over, OTAs right around the corner. So stay with us. Hour number two, the Jordy Helper Show here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros rolls on. Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. It's our number two of two, and away we go on this Tuesday, May 16th, the year 2023. Bob Rose, Saints News Network, will join us in his weekly Tuesday time slot as we talk all things New Orleans Saints. Meanwhile, the NBA Conference finals get underway tonight out in the West. It'll be Denver hosting the L.A. Lakers in game one of their best of seven series. Tomorrow, the Eastern Conference takes over as the Boston Celtics will host the Miami Heat. A lot of people are surprised that the Miami Heat are out there. But anyway, my main man, James Mesh, in the producer's chair Inside the Evco Development Studios, Evco Development is a civil construction company that specializes in multifamily construction. He's on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also on KLCJ 1041 in Lake Charles, streaming around the world, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you're in the Acadiana area, you can turn your television set on as we are simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. I mentioned it earlier. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention it again. Come June 26, things are changing and changing for the better. We will, uh, at that point in time, become associated with ESPN Radio. We'll have a whole new regular faces, different times, and stuff like that. Our local programming will begin at 9 a.m. with Kevin Foote and Footnotes from 11 to 1. My boy Raymond Parsh III, RP3, 
and company will commence. We will move, yes, from 2 to 4. We'll come back an hour. We'll start at 1 and end at 3 o'clock. And then um, after further review with Matt Moscona, will join us from 3 to 6. So that's the lineup. We're thrilled about it, excited about it. A lot of good things happening. And uh, one thing for sure, we're still going to give you the local angle on everything in your neighborhood and around the world in sports. So we nothing will change here. We'll still get good guests. We'll still batter it, banter it all about and, and have some fun doing it. I'm thrilled James Mesh will still be my producer for uh, the program. So that's what we've got. Bob Rose coming up in just a minute. LSU baseball trying to get back. On the winning front of things, uh, their last midweek regular season game as McNeese comes, uh, makes the two-hour drive from Lake Charles to Baton Rouge to take on LSU, 6.30 first pitch, pregame show at 6 right here on the game. We talked with Anthony Renato, former LSU pitching star, and uh, he didn't have an answer uh, for what to do. I mean, you're, you're this late in the season you are basically who you are, right? I mean, you, you, somebody's not going to drastically appear. You've played 51 games. You're 51 games in. You're 39 and 12, 27 and 7 at home, 10 and 4 away. And, um, you know, it's just your pitching staff has diminished after Paul Skeens and Ty Floyd. Ah, I don't know what, I don't know what she got. Um, because your team ERA as a staff last year, LSU held a 4.47 ERA in conference games, 4.47. That was third in the sec. Now, just think about this. Paul Skeens is leading the way. He's got a 1.69 ERA, 1.69. The team ERA in the SEC this year, 6.32, which is eighth. Eighth. Take Skeens out of it. Your ERA is up to, I don't know, 10, whatever. Just, um, man, it's bad. Now, LSU strikeouts are up. LSU has 296 as a team, which is the best in the SEC. But, um, my gosh, I, I don't know what to tell you. They just walk too many. 303 bases on balls given up. Um, that's a lot. That's a lot. So uh, we'll see. Actually, I was wrong. They've given up 206 free passes this year. But they always seem, you know, Skip Merbrun always said timely hitting. Well, timely walks as a pitching staff can really, really, really get you into trouble. So we'll see. Uh, We'll see what happens there. Firing in the NBA, the latest casualty. Uh, Doc Rivers of the Philadelphia 76ers after they lost their game seven and just didn't look very effective at all. Um, He got fired Uh, three seasons at Philly, a 65% winning percentage, but 
not enough as Daryl Morey, who used to run things in Houston, is now taking control in Philly. Don't be surprised as he brought in uh, James Harden and loves him. Don't be surprised if he doesn't bring in his coach, Mike D'Antoni, to to run things. But Philadelphia joins the Milwaukee Bucks, the Phoenix Suns, the Toronto Raptors, and the Detroit Pistons among teams with head coaching openings. And don't be surprised if Boston somehow, some way, does not get out of the Eastern Conference Finals. I bet you Boston joins the group as well. But we shall see. We shall see on on that note. Um, We know that LSU's season opener in football against Florida State on Sunday, September the 3rd in Orlando has a start time and a television network. LSU announced today that the Camping World kickoff will start at 6.30 p.m. and will be broadcast to a national television audience on ABC. It's the best non-conference game out there as Brian Kelly begins season number two, trying to top that SEC West title and the 10-4 and mark that he got in his first season in Tigertown. Lots of expectations for LSU and he keeps doing the job on the recruiting path because um, right in your backyard at Lafayette Christian Academy, Jawan Johnson has signed or committed to play for LSU for the 2024 recruiting class, less than a month after backing off a previous pledge to Colorado. He's a quarterback who's going to turn defensive back in college. I think he'll be spectacular in the return game. I like this cat. I think this cat can scat, and he is good. LSU men's basketball um, has added a uh, new opponent to its home schedule as Mac McMahon has moved closer to finishing his non-conference schedule for the upcoming season. Home games with Kansas State, Nichols, and North Florida are the latest to be officially added to the 13-game slate that will lead up to the 18-game Southeastern Conference schedule in early January. The Kansas State matchup set for December 9th in the Pete Maravich Assembly Center, part of a two-game series with the Wildcats. So that's good. LSU will visit Manhattan, Kansas in the 2024-25 season, that date to be determined. Um, Remember, they met in the championship game of the Cayman Islands Classic last November 23rd, K-State Won at 61-59. Um, uh, bad call at the end of the game really hurt LSU in that one. Kansas State went on to finish 26-10, and reached the Elite Eight of the NCAA tournament before falling to Florida Atlantic 79-76. So um, you've got that. You've got the uh, Charleston Classic in November with Houston, Wake Forest, St. John's, Utah, Dayton, North Texas, Towson as possible opponents. Um, uh, LSU will play Texas in Houston's Toyota Center. They'll host Lamar and Northwestern State. So not a bad, not a bad schedule, uh, particularly with who they've got and what they've got to do. Now, I cannot wait. Cannot wait to see the schedule that Kim Mulkey comes up with, with the powerhouse that she has. No more of this, um, well, we don't know what we have, and we got all these new players, this, that, and the other. They're a juggernaut. 
I want to see some big time made for national television, nationally televised games schedule for the LSU women's basketball team. I think, I think now is the time. I think the fans deserve it. They showed their support. Uh, and I think Kim Mulkey will step up and I think they will have a terrific, terrific schedule. So there you go. All right. Um, Let's take our first time out of hour number two here at 12 minutes after the hour time for the black and gold report with Bob Rose, all things, Nolan saints here on the Jordy Holtberg show. This is the Jordy Holtberg show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Are you tired of your boring man cave? Well, the game 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with the ultimate man cave makeover built by Lafayette Marble and Granite. Sign up today in the clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com for a chance to win a new recliner from Bordelon's Furniture, a flat screen TV from AVI, and more. It's the ultimate man cave makeover powered by Lafayette Marble and Granite and the game Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. It's time for Jordy to march into some New Orleans Saints talk with Saints News Network's Bob Rose. Here is the Black and Gold Report with Bob Rose. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Always great when we get to talk to Bob Rose. Just a second before we get to him. Exciting news for LSU football yet again. Notre Dame running back, former Rummel Raider, Logan Diggs, after his weekend visit to Tigertown, has decided to return closer to home, and he will play for LSU next season. So the Tigers get some much-needed depth at the running back room that's filled with injuries and question marks. So Logan Diggs is a Tiger. All right, Bob Rose, let's shift to the guys that um, that really play for pay, although you could say that in college now, uh, the New Orleans Saints. So... Where do we begin? Um, a couple of free agency signings after the rookie camp uh, has come and gone. Um, surmise your thoughts on, we got a wide receiver, a couple of linemen. Uh, tell me your thoughts on on that. Uh, they, uh, they're, they're bringing in a couple defensive linemen from uh, the XFL, as you mentioned. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, defensive tackle Jack Heflin. Uh, you know, and uh, you know, defensive end, edge rusher, uh, you know, Nico Lalos. Uh, Nico was with the team uh, last year, uh, came in both both Heflin and Lalos came in as undrafted rookies. Uh, but Nico joined the Saints last year and spent the majority of the year on the practice squad. So he, he knows a little bit about what Dennis Allen wants to do up front in that defensive line. Uh, the signing that has a lot of fans clamoring, uh, which is a little bit surprising to me, is James Washington. Uh, the okay. former wide receiver for the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers uh, was injured most of the year last year with the Dallas Cowboys before being cut uh, and thus available in free agency. But I'll tell you what Washington brings. Uh, yeah, he doesn't have a wide variation as a route runner, but he has deep speed, uh, you know, good hands and was a very good blocker at the position for Pittsburgh, something that the Saints have always valued in their receivers. And I think it's very noteworthy uh, you know, adding Washington in with fellow free agent signee 
Brian Edwards and, of course, you know, sixth-round draft choice A.T. Perry, which a lot of people, myself included, absolutely love. Uh, you know, th this wide receiver room is not only deep but has a lot of youth. Uh, you know, even, you know, e even Edwards and Washington are under the age of 29, uh, you know, still, at least in theory, uh, you know, in their athletic prime. So some of these other veterans – their, their their spots suddenly don't look quite as assured anymore. And I yeah. think that's key. Yeah, that that's that's good. How many do the Saints normally keep on their fifty-one man roster for when games start playing? Uh the last couple of years they've kept six into the regular season. Uh you know, and I, I see them potentially doing that again. Uh you know, not only to guard against uh injuries, but that sixth guy is often a, a return specialist, such as we've seen with Deontay Harris. Uh, you know, and Rashid Shahid last year. Uh, so I do see them keeping six again. Uh, you know, not only given the talent that we just spoke about, uh, but you look at a guy like Malik Flowers. Uh, you know, if he makes the roster, it's going to be at the back end of the depth chart. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. and he's going to take a lot of return reps from Shahid, who presumably will get more uh, a bigger role on the offensive side. So yeah, I I, I see them keeping six. Uh, but they always, and I mean always, stash two or three on the practice squad too, right? Okay, makes sense. Um, is it true or is it false uh, that the Saints and Cam Jordan are in talks about a contract extension? Uh, it's absolutely true. Uh, you know, not only did Cam's uh, you know, agent confirm that you know, through his very own mouth to the Associated Press, uh, but you know, Cam poked a little bit of fun at us. When, uh, you know, and when we released the story a couple of hours ago, uh, you, know, uh, you know, poked fun at us on Twitter, uh, you know, asking us to, uh, to, to if our source was reliable uh, you know, and then sent a bunch of laughing emojis. So that's basically the player himself saying that it's you know, that is true. Uh, you know, and Cam has made no secret that he wants his career to end in New Orleans whenever that is. Uh, I'll tell you, he sure didn't look like a player that was anywhere close to done. If you look at, uh, you know, what he what he produced last season uh you know and you know, it, listen you always want a legend to retire uh with the team that they started with with the team that they that they made their fame with uh you know and cam jordan in my opinion belongs on the mount rushmore of you know, uh, of saints franchise great bob rose saints news network with us um he had 24 players that participated in the new orleans saints rookie mini camp last week and as you mentioned, one of them turned it into a larger opportunity. Uh, the Saints are signing defensive lineman Jack Heflin um, to go along with James Washington and the other defensive lineman. Um, so that means one spot left. Uh, what did they see in Jack Heflin? Where's he from? What's his deal? Uh, yeah, Heflin... Uh... Heflin started his collegiate career with Northern Iowa, uh, played his last season with Iowa, uh, you know, the, the Hawkeyes, and they traditionally produce very strong uh, you know, offensive and defensive linemen. Uh, you know, so they see a guy in Heflin uh, you know, who, kind of, who bounced around the league uh, you know, for, uh, for a couple of years in the NFL uh, you know, before catching on with the Houston Roughnecks uh, of the uh, U.S. Or, excuse me, XFL. XFL. Uh, yeah. you know, and uh, you know, Heflin filled up the stat sheet pretty well. Uh, you know, he's not a guy that I would expect to grab a lot of reps if he's able to make the team, uh, but he's the type of guy that could fill out the back half of your depth chart. Uh, you know, he's very good against the run, very smart player, uh, you know, rare, rarely full 
pulled or pushed around inside by opposing blockers. Uh, you know, so you know, th this is the kind of guy, uh, you know, the, uh, a lunch pail kind of guy. He's going to make you work. Uh, you know, uh, you're, you're not going to outwork him for a roster spot. He might not be the most talented guy in the room, but he might very well be the hardest worker. Hmm. Kind of like that. Kind of like that. Um, apparently the Saints have inked a deal with their first round pick. Yes, sir. Just before we went on air here, uh, you know, Brian, uh, you know, Brian Brzee, uh, you know, agreed to terms uh, about you know, four years is standard for a rookie contract, little over 12 million guaranteed. Uh, you know, so an awful soft salary cap hit for those first four years. Uh, you know, and as with all uh, first round picks, there's a fifth year option available, uh, you know, if the Saints choose to pick it up in 2027. Uh, I, I, I love I, I love this rookie cap. Uh, you know, and the collective bargaining agreement that you know, that really necessitates the lack of rookie holdouts because there's no reason for a lot of these guys to hold out. Uh, you know, and as a result of the seven Saints picks, only Isaiah Foskey and quarterback Jake Hayner remain unsigned. So these guys are getting ready to go to work. Uh, you know, all of them were on the field. Uh, you know, at, at rookie camp. Although Kendra Miller didn't participate in drills, he'll be ready for uh, you know for training camp. And like I said, I I, I just love I love I love this agreement between the players' union and the league, uh, where you're not seeing rookie holdouts well into training camp like we've seen in years past. Bob, um, we talked about the running back position. We don't know what's going to happen with Alvin Kamara. Jamal Williams was signed in free agency. You know, he had 17 touchdowns, an NFL high with Detroit last season. Kendra Miller, a third-round draft pick, right? They get undrafted Texas Tech rookie Sir Roderick Thompson. And then from Massachusetts, Ellis Merriweather um, was signed to the position after the team's rookie minicamp last weekend. Who the heck is Ellis Merriweather? And does he have a shot at all? Yeah, he sure does. Uh, Merriweather played collegiately at UMass, uh, you know, University of Massachusetts. Uh, you football know, there? He did. I'm kidding. Uh, well, I'm kidding. They, they, they line up a football team. Uh, the Minutemen went a combined two and 22 in their last, in, in Merriweather's last two years. So mm. there wasn't a lot of talent coming out of Massachusetts, but don't sleep on this guy. He's a power runner. Uh, you know, he had uh, almost 1200 yards two years ago before struggling a little bit with injuries last year. He had no fumbles and 440, uh, over 440 career touches, uh, you know, with UMass. And like I said, he has excellent power, hits the hole with a lot of authority. He doesn't have a lot of burst and might struggle to get outside the numbers against NFL defenses. Uh, but his forte is going to be, uh, you know, between the tackles. Yeah, that's an area, of course, where New Orleans has struggled for the last few seasons. Uh, and you know, remember, with Alvin Kamara's pending suspension, we haven't heard when it's going to be, but we assume it's probably going to be early on. That's going to yeah. give guys like Merriweather and Sir Roderick Thompson chances to make this roster, and they're going to see a lot of touches and opportunities this preseason. And you got to love this running back room. Uh, you know, you talk about two undrafted rookies, uh, you know, a rookie third-round pick, even Jamal Warren. Williams is you know, only, what, 27, 28 years old. And Eno Benjamin, uh, you know, who people have been sleeping on, he's only been in the year for uh, in the league for a couple of years. So there's a lot of youth, unlike in years past when we've seen a Mark Ingram, Latavius Murray, and other veterans pass their prime brought in. These guys are hungry and, uh, and uh, you know, going to be wanting to prove themselves. Uh, the, these, these carries are going to be fiercely fought for through training camp and preseason.
you mentioned coming up after their prime. Is this room good enough, in your opinion, that the Saints could dabble a running back who might be sus- who will be suspended, and you get some valuable trade assets for Alvin Kamara, or uh, is he just too good to do that? I tell you, he, he's still really good. He's still one of the best running backs in the NFL, uh, you know, versatility wise, you know, Alvin Kamara is. And given the way Kamara's contract is structured, uh, you know, the, the Saints would get hit hard uh, with this uh, on their salary cap next year if he were to be dealt now. Now, obviously, there are ways to circumvent that. You know, you, uh, you, you can juggle the numbers and you know, renegotiate, uh, you know, however you see fit. Uh, I can't see Kamara being moved but you never know you know like you said you bring in a a starting back like Jamal Williams a guy they're really high on in Kendra Miller so you know it's one thing if one of these undrafted guys uh if they hit gold on them but if both Merriweather and Thompson perform absolutely spectacularly then all of a sudden you have a surplus of talent in that running back room so you never say never I can't see Kamara being moved but uh, I was one of the I was one of the most shocked people on the face of the earth when they moved Jimmy Graham, uh, you know, in, uh, in 2014 as well. So I'm never going to say never. This is true. All right. We are going to take a timeout. We're going to talk about some of the prospects at the rookie minicamp, including a quarterback. I mean, did they find a diamond in the rough? And very important question that I will pose to uh, Mr. Rose about, OK, how good is this team? And. Is the coaching staff up to par? Does the coaching staff match the player talent? We'll delve into that topic when we return here on the Jordy Helper Show, the Black and Gold Report with Bob Rose of the Saints News Network. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Your lady out for a nice dinner, but you're low on cash. Don't worry. The Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com can help you with your date night blues. As a member of our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to score excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse and a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen, both located at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort. Now, you can only score these great prizes by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So go sign up today. Every day is a Chamber of Commerce kind of day when you're listening to The Jordy Holberg Show. This is The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. We're back 35 minutes after the hour. We continue our conversation with Bob Rose, Saints News Network. We call it the Black and Gold Report as we delve into the New Orleans Saints. Um, rookie camp, you know, shorts, T-shirts, throw the ball around a little bit. But everybody seems to be raving about Fresno State quarterback Jake Hayner. Uh, Bob, what's your assessment of him? And then I'll follow that up with another question after that. I'll, I'll tell you, Jordy, I, I loved Hainer. Come, I, I love the Hainer pick to begin with. Uh, you know, he, he, he's a shorter guy. 
uh, but not sl small or slight of frame by any means. I loved his accuracy and anticipation, uh, you know, good mobility to slide away from rushers, uh, not elite arm strength, uh, but very, very, very good mechanics. And he has the arm to make all the NFL throws. Uh, I think this kid has a potentially bright future in the NFL. Uh, obviously, the only way he sees the field for meaningful action in 2023 is, is if a lot of things went wrong for the New Orleans Saints. But listen, you never know, uh, you know what the future holds. Uh, and, and, I, and I like this kid. If he turns out to be that and shows them that he has the acumen, has picked up the playbook, is accurate, can manage the offense – you know there's going to be quarterbacks that get hurt around the league. Would the Saints contemplate moving a Jameis Winston? Do you think they would have enough confidence in Jay Kaner as a backup quarterback and they could trade a Jameis Winston and get trade assets for him? Sure, it's possible. Now, Jake would have to show these coaches a lot. Uh, right. you know, and you know, like you said, he would have to make Dennis Allen and Pete Carmichael feel, I mean, 110% confident, uh, you know, that, that he could grasp their offense, uh, you know, if something were to happen for Carr to keep him out, say multiple weeks, uh, you know, but if that, if that were to happen, uh, you know, I don't think that they would hesitate one you know, millisecond to trade Jameis Winston if they thought that they could bring in other assets. Uh, you know, I mean, the NFL is a cruel business. Uh, yeah. you know, so you know, the, the, the ability to capitalize on the misfortune of your opponents, uh, you know, it goes through on, you know, throughout the league every single year. Uh, you know, like I said, I think that they feel comfortable having a backup with uh, genuine NFL experience like a Jameis Winston. Uh, you know, so Hayner would have to show him a lot. Uh, show them a lot, excuse me. Uh, but I look, I look for Carr and Hayner to get a lot of preseason reps because you know what you have in Jameis Winston. You've had him, you know, you've had him for multiple years, two years as your starter. So you know what he brings to your system. Carr has to get up to speed very quickly, obviously. Uh, you know, so it does give you the opportunity to tinker around with your rookie quarterback to see what he has. Uh, you know, uh, you know, when the bullets start flying for real, as the saying goes. Yeah. yeah. Um, you mentioned you would have to dazzle the coaches. Uh, I think all the pressure in the world's on Pete Carmichael and how with a new quarterback in tow, how does he adjust because coaching is all about, okay, here's your player. What does he do best? And let's put him in a position to do that. I think Dennis Allen and Pete Carmichael were kept to keep the continuity of what Sean Payton had developed mm -hmm. in New Orleans. Well, Sean Payton's gone. I think Pete Carmichael is persona, uh, is number one on the FBI hit list when it comes to Saints fans. And a lot of Saints fans were like amazed that he kept his job after last season. So what's the pressure cooker? What's the temperature on Pete Carmichael heading into this season? It's got to be red hot on both he and Dennis Allen. Uh, obviously, D.A., because he's the guy in charge. He's, he's your head mm -hmm. man. He's always going to be first on the chopping block. <clears throat> um, but you hit the nail on the head when you mentioned coaching one-on-one. You put your play, you know, you you allow your players to do what they do best. And you know, we spoke about Alvin Kamara and the running back position before. And that's where I give Pete a big fat F, uh, you know, as far as his usage of Alvin. Uh, you know, particularly last year. Year before it was probably a combination of uh you know, of mm -hmm. Carmichael and Sean Payton. Uh you know, but when you have the NFL's most dynamic back, uh most versatile back, best receiving back, uh, 
know, and his numbers and opportunity and chances as a pass catcher go so way down like they did last year. Something, right. you know, so, there, there's a disconnect somewhere, and it has to start with the coaches. Uh, you know, you, you mentioned they gave him a new quarterback, and you know, and Allen too. Uh, you know, not only that, you're expected to get a healthy Michael Thomas back. Uh, you have a first round pick in Trevor Penning, uh, you know, that's seemingly going to be healthy. Uh, you, you're starting out the year anyway, knock on wood with a healthy offensive line, uh, you know, and you brought in uh, multiple receivers to bolster the position, uh, the, uh, the, that position's depth, as well as a tight end, uh, you know, who's not only skilled, but experienced in working with your new quarterback. So yeah, the entire, all the pressure in the world should be on this coaching staff, particularly the guy in charge and the guy that's running the offense. What does Derek Carr do best as a quarterback? What what is his what is his forte in your opinion? Uh, the way he responds in pressure situations, uh, and you know, I, I I know that the Raiders never put a really good team around him, uh, but the couple of years that they did, Carr won an awful lot of games in the fourth quarter, or even kept some bad teams in games, uh, you know, late in the fourth quarter. So I think the the best thing that you could say about your quarterback is that he has the ability to elevate the performance of those around him, and I think that that's what Derek Carr does. He's not going to be in anybody's top three in arm strength. Uh, you know, he has good but not elite accuracy. He has solid but not elite mobility. He just he's not elite in any one trait except he's a competitor and he's going to keep yeah. your team in games. And that's what I've always liked about Derek Carr best. So how much does the playbook change in your and should it cha- shouldn't it change based upon him and what he does? It absolutely should change, uh, you know, based upon again what your best play, what your top player does best, uh, you know. And there has been there have been mumblings, uh, you know, that now that the Saints have acquired since the Saints had acquired Derek Carr, that now Pete Carmichael can bring out those aspects of his playbook that he wasn't able to do in the post Breeze okay. era, uh, okay. you know, or even even as Drew's uh, you know, arm strength and you know physical uh, capabilities decline somewhat. Uh, yeah, and, and again, you know, Carr has the accuracy. He has a good football IQ. Uh, you know, he's always been praised by his coaches for being a smart guy. And you know, he worked with four or five different offensive coordinators. Uh, you know, during his time in the Raiders, uh, with the Raiders. So yeah, you know, that that's a lot of changeover. And for him to still put up, you know, the the good numbers that he did, that tells me that he is a smart football player, capable of handling a system. So yeah, I I would expect. Uh, I would expect this Pete Carmichael offense to resemble a lot of the things that we saw through the mid 2000 teens, uh, you know, with, with Drew Brees and, uh, and those receivers that Drew had. Taysom Hill's role, does it change or is it more, more used? Is it, is it, I mean, tight end one place in the, in the shotgun, another play as a, Maybe a lead blocker as a fullback on. I mean, what do you do with Taysom Hill now? Uh, you got to move him around. Uh, but with all the other running backs that they brought in, you do have to wonder if that's going to affect Mr. Hill's touches out of the backfield, yeah. uh, you know, which would be interesting to me because that's always been what he does best 
really by far. Uh, you know, people forget how good a receiver wa- a Taysom was, uh, you know, in 2019 and 2020, uh, early part of 2020 when he was used in that capacity. Uh, you know, so yeah, maybe you do move him more, uh, you know, use him more as a move tight end, uh, you know, put him in motion. Uh, you know, the, you know, I can't wait to see those three tight end packages with Jawan Foster Moreau, uh, you know, and Taysom Hill, because you yeah. already know that you could use Taysom Hill, you know, out wide in the backfield and out of the slot, uh, you know, so, you know, how our defense is going to respond to Taysom? Uh, you know, I think that that's the challenge for Pete Carmichael to find new ways to use Taysom Hill that is going to you know, legitimately threaten an opposing defense. Bro, Saints News Network, the Black and Gold Report, each and every Tuesday here. We're thrilled by it. We, we've seen some additions on the defensive line. We talked about Cam Jordan getting a possible contract extension. We know about Brian Brissy and the Notre Dame edge rusher Isaiah Foskey. There's one spot left on the roster for them to sign a free agent. Are you surprised that they haven't found a linebacker? And if they haven't, Are they satisfied with what they have? And I know there's Demario Davis. I know there's Pete Werner. After that, who do they got? Uh, Yeah, and that's a big question uh, that concerns a lot of people, and I can understand why. But I'll tell you, I think that the the Saints' lack of moves, the fact that they didn't sign a free agent linebacker, the fact that they didn't draft a linebacker, that tells us that they yeah, yeah that tells us they at least have a level some level of comfort with the guys that are going to be backing up Davis and Warner because Demario is not getting any younger. Nope. Pete has missed some time in his first two years with injury, yeah. and after that, you know, you lost Caden Ellis. Uh, right. Yeah, I do expect Zach Bond will get the opportunity to fill the type of role that they use with Ellis, uh, you know, early downs when they employ three linebackers, short yardage, that kind of thing. Uh, but, you know, remember, you have the 2022 fifth-round pick, DeMarco Jackson, coming back from, you know, season-ending injury. Now, he has yet to show what he could do on an NFL field, but I loved his film coming out of Appalachian State. Uh, okay. you know, and I've been telling people, I'm like, look, you know, wa- watch out for this guy. I would like – I would like to see them bring in a veteran linebacker. You know, a guy like Quan Alexander is still out there. Rashawn Evans, I would love in this defense. Uh, but I think that they're kind of dragging their feet on it. And you know, the fact that all these linebackers are still available on free agency. And if you look at the list, you'd be, you'll be surprised at who's available. Uh Throughout many camps, especially, we're going to see these younger guys, these unproven guys, get some reps. Uh, you know, and depending on how the Demarco Jackson, Nick Anderson from Tulane, uh, Anthony Orji from Vanderbilt, a couple of undrafted rookie uh, rookie linebackers, mm-hmm. if they perform, if they perform a little bit shaky, then you'll see the Saints starting to bring in you know a, a couple veteran guys to take a look at be- between mini camp or OTAs, uh, you know, and training camp. I would be a little bit surprised if it happens before then from last year's draft class who do you think makes the next big leap um that you that you see sometimes from year from your rookie season to year two who's the guy that's going to make that big leap and become even more of an impactful player for this franchise 
Oh man, there's so many to choose from. I mean, the yeah, the easy one is Trevor Penning uh, because he saw the field so little. Uh, okay. But I'd look for big, big jumps from Chris Olave, who already had a terrific rookie year. Uh, you know, now he knows NFL defenses a little bit more. He's had uh, you know, a second full off season. Uh, you know, now he's working with the. You know, he's not going to have uh, you know musical chairs uh, and a revolving door at quarterback. Uh, you know, so he gets to work with a bona fide Pro Bowler uh, you know, at Signal. But I also look for a big jump from Alante Taylor. That's my uh, choice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, Taylor, hey, Taylor looked like a potential pro bowler at times last year. Uh, yeah. But he, he had a lot of flags thrown against him. Uh, and, you know, right. A, a lot of them were rightful. I mean, he's a physical player. He's going to draw flags at times. But again, like Alave, he's now had one year of NFL experience under his belt. And that is so key for a cornerback uh, you know, or just you know, reps and experience. Experience. Uh, you know, and I, I look, I look for Alante Taylor and Marshawn Lattimore to make up perhaps the NFL's best tandem of cornerbacks. Mm. And then you throw Paulson Adebo in there as your, you know, number three guy. I mean, right. wow, the, you know, th- this position just looks so formidable. Uh, so yeah, I, I look for a, j- a good side jump from Alave, but my my money's with you. I'm going with Alante Taylor. And I think the Saints are hoping. I think they take what Taylor brought them. I think they would be happy with what Alave. They're counting on Trevor Penning, right? They Absolutely. they got to f- solidify that that offensive line, and they're counting on him big time. Yeah, they really are, and as, you know, as you should with a first round pick. Uh, and you know, Penning has all the tools uh, you know ne- necessary to be a success in the NFL. But like you said, they need him to be an immediate starter and uh, you know, an immediate impactful starter, because that also allows you to move James Hurst inside, barring any, uh, any injury to Cecil Ruiz uh, or, or when injury happens to Andrus Pete, uh, you know, James Hurst is a, is a solid tackle, but he's better suited at an inside spot. You spent yeah. a first round on tre- first rounder on Trevor Penning for you traded to get a first round pick to grab Trevor Penning for a reason. Uh, you know, now he has to pay, dividends and he has to do so quickly uh the schedule was released after we convened last tuesday so uh what do you think of the schedule and what's your way too early prognosis for the saints i tell you it's easy to look at this schedule um and and think and i you know i'm guilty of it uh you know they only have four outdoor games none after mid-october uh you know in cold weather cities only face four teams with a winning record i could see potentially 12 wins out of this team uh you know very easily you know if they stay healthy with the talent they brought in uh but they do play seven of their first 11 on the road. And if they get off right. to a slow start, like you said earlier, yep. Dennis yep. Allen, Pete Carmichael, their seats are going to get red, red hot. And they yep. only have back-to-back home games once. And that's later in the year when they have three straight uh, weeks in the dome. Uh, so they're going to have to play well on the road coming out of the gate. Uh, but the the veteran leadership is still in this locker room to do that. So I think if they get off to a good start, get some confidence going, I I, I, I can I could see this team really running away with the NFC South. They don't play against many of the top, top, top no. tier quarterbacks. Um, and that's that's very helpful. Very helpful. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, I look they could face as many as six 
new faces at quarterback uh, you know, this season, uh, you know, including perhaps three, maybe even four rookies during the during the year. So, you know, the, the Saints already have one of the NFL's best defenses, uh, you know, and having added a lot of talent on that side of the ball. Uh, you know, they, they have the ability to make any quarterbacks uh, you know, day miserable. Uh, you know, you're facing a first time starter uh, like a Jordan Love or a Kyle Trask or a rookie quarterback early in the season. Uh, you know, that you would think that Vegas loves those odds. I'm with you. Bob Rose, Saints News Network, the Black and Gold Report. Tuesdays are much better with you, buddy. We'll talk to you next time. Thank you so, so very much. The pleasure is mine, my friend, and I thank you. Have a great week. You got it. We'll be back to wrap it all up next. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. And our great partners, ShopRite, Tobacco Plus, Discount Outlets. If you can't shop right at ShopRite, you just can't shop right at all, period. Ducks cleaning America's air from the inside out. Eon of Lafayette, Baton Rouge, and Mandeville. It's the premier touchless robotic laser body contouring device that helps you lose those unwanted inches along with permanent fat reduction. By the Louisiana Lottery, so many games, so many opportunities to win, but you can't win until you actually start playing. By DC's Little Capital Exxon, everything under the sun inside their store, including that true soul food deli. Best cheeseburger, trust me. And by Cajun Chef, oh, do yourself a flavor. Turn up the taste with Cajun Chef Hot Sauce. Here's three pieces of advice to live by. Never play cards with a guy whose last name is a state. Don't spit into the wind. And always listen to the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, another fun-filled edition. Um, we wrap up on a really good note. Joe Burrow, who is driven to lead the Cincinnati Bengals to the first Vince Lombardi trophy to the state of Ohio, is now also driven to make a lasting impact in his home state. He launched a foundation whose mission is to provide resources and support to the underprivileged and underserved. Joe Burrow and his foundation has agreed to pay for 20 local families at Cincinnati's Children's Hospital Medical Center to receive mental health treatment. Way to go, Joe. Special thanks to our guest Anthony Renato on LSU Baseball, Grant Hughes on the NBA playoffs, and Bob Rose and the New Orleans Saints. If today is your birthday, May 16th, happy birthday from all of us to all of you. Hope you have a great day, a little cake, a little ice cream, all that fun stuff. You share it with, I can't believe she's 68 years old, but back in the day, remember the perfect 10 from Olga Corbett of gymnastics fame and part of the Buffalo Bills that got to the Super Bowl four times, never knocked through the door. Thurman Thomas is 57 years old today. Tomorrow, Mike Huguenin, hump day with Huguenin, and a preview from um, the PGA Championship that gets underway on Thursday. Alex Myers with his take on, is it John Rahm? Is he going to win again? Is it Scotty Scheffler? Who knows? James Mesh, thank you so much for all you do. Thanks to all of you for listening in, whatever form or fashion that you do. And thanks to our partners that make it possible each and every day. Come on back tomorrow, same time, 2 to 4. Same great stations, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Until then, I'm Jordy Helper. Stay thirsty, my friend. Stay healthy. Let's be kind to one another. And please... 
be happy. Up next, crunch time with Miguez and Mesh. So long, everybody.